Good afternoon, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, afternoon. Oh, what a fantastic day today, nice and bright and breezy outside. Um, I know, um, I tell you what, what's the best way to settle this? Pension versus property. <laughs> Fight! <laughs> That's all I could hear in my mind. It's like Harry Hill. <laughs> but I tell you what, looking at this, it's true. I mean, you often think to yourself, property is the best investment ever. And then you think to yourself, wait a minute, I've looked at some stats and think, wait a minute, pension's maybe the best investment ever. And then it's like, no, 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 it can't have you look at it like this way. No, property is the best investment ever. So it's actually getting that right information, that right um, right feedback. There, there, I don't think there's any real fit for this, Richard, but we're going to talk about this. Uh, you know, you're quite excited yourself. Yeah, I think it's quite a good topic. Um, like you say, we're going to look at both sides. We'll look at the pros, we'll look at the cons. Um of both aspects um, and see what really is the best for setting you up for later in life, for retirement, for, for investment at the moment and creating cash flow uh, with investments. I think it's quite a good topic to cover. So, Absolutely. Yes. We're open to questions uh, for people out there. So yep. feel free to ask any questions about properties and investments when we're going through these details. Chip in as well. If you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. How's that? Or what about this? You could add that on more than happy to take comments yeah. and suggestions and anything like that as well uh, because at the end of the day um this is only based on our information and what we've gathered together and what i've known over the 30 years i've done property investment and also for my pension as well so we're going to talk about my pension we're also going to talk about property investment and where that's going as well um and uh, let's kick off i mean combination um oh geez um let's let's kick off both pensions and property investments can actually deliver long-term growth and when it comes to funding your retirement uh, both have an important role to play um but we're here really to weigh up the advantages and the limitations of both property um whether you're whether, whether it's buy to let or owning your own home there's a thing as well eh? owning mm -hmm. your own home most people actually keep beating this drum about your own home is a liability we'll talk about that in a wee while um, yeah. but owning your own home is is potentially an investment as well isn't it as and we had an interesting conversation uh, last week, Jim, about obviously your own property, and you've got a you've got a property set up for later in life now that we're renting at the moment, and and, and your current situation. So we'll talk about that later as well, um, as your own property as a liability, um, which is quite a, a good topic to cover, and especially yep. when you're thinking about whether it's buy to let or doing uh, your own property. So pensions is as a resource of retirement income. I mean, if you're really young out there, if you're a young person, do you really care? Do you really bother about retirement income? Is it really that important to you? Um, is it the most is the most important thing to you? I'm not particularly sure. Um, let's talk about what types, what are the pros of property investment, right? Property investment in the beginning, Richard, what's your thoughts? Not uh, first of all, on what property investment is. Um, I mean, average house prices, for example, I was doing yeah. some stats. <laughs> I tell you what. Oh my God, it's like, oh my God, it's like, really? I, I, I was like, and I get excited because you know I've been in this for 30 years and I've got quite a lot of property and I'm thinking, mm -hmm. wow, that's a huge statistic for that to go up. So let's talk about numbers. Um, in the last five years, well, put it this way, in the last, right, no, let me talk about the last five years first. <laughs> the last five years, property prices have gone up 29%. That's a huge figure, isn't it? It is. That's quite a lot. In the last 
10 years, <laughs> 68%. And the last 20 years, 160%. I'll say that again, 160% in the last 20 years, property has gone up. That's an amazing figure. Um, let me talk about inflation, if you take that into account. Yeah. Inflation in the last 20 years has gone up 42%. Inflation in the last 10 years has gone up 18%. Inflation in the last five years has been 9.8%. I mean, clearly, if you're going to say right now, oh, but inflation sitting at 10%, that can't be right. It's like, oh, very well. But I'll just remind you, property prices have gone up 12.8% in the last year. Yeah, so they're still yeah. outperforming inflation. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's what that says to me, Jim, is that obviously people are, are in a bit of a panic and worry about inflation and the cost of things nowadays. And I think yeah. if you were to look at property as a as an investment, as a way to um, secure your financial future, it's a bit of a no-brainer. Anything as well, Richard, though, when you talk about these inflation figures, look at them for the last 20 years. I mean, inflation's mm -hmm. only been sitting at 42% over the last 20 years in total. Yeah. So when you see a, a quick jump of 10% in a year, I mean, that could end up correcting itself later on. I mean, before the last 20 years, maybe in the last 30 years or 40 years, it was actually hyperinflation as well. They were sitting at inflation about, I think it was about nine, maybe 25%. Mm -hmm. That's a scary number, isn't it? Yeah. And that was in the 70s. Um, that was before the Conservative Party took power, um, when interest rates were at 18%, inflation was at 25%. Now, I can't ever see that coming back to that scenario because um, that's just crazy. And they know what the ramifications of that is. But I still say perspective over the medium to long term, property always out, out, outperforms, out for, uh, outperforms inflation, definitely. Everything, it has to. How could it not? Because inflation is a reflection of prices going up. So prices have to go up for inflation to go up. Yeah. And if property wasn't part of that, price and it was going down then inflation would go down wouldn't it yeah so what is the pros of property investment for for you i mean what are you yeah. thinking about i mean property investment i mean a combination of rental yields and capital growth means that i um, both have immediate income and a potential for long-term profit um, and yeah. that creates cash flow it gives you an income and then obviously your property uh, capital appreciation you also have the option to sell the property at, at, at a point in time later on um, and invest that money in other ways or release the equity and, and be more fish like obviously. So what we're saying really, what, what we're saying really here, Richard, is when it comes to picking an investment most likely to grow over the years, property has always been a good good choice. Yeah. Um, I mean, the UK, the UK property market has really been famously bullish despite the occasion, occasional slump, uh, typically lasting a few years. Um, as property values continue to soar um, over a recent decade, some investors um, have indeed capitalised on trend on a trend of building portfolios worth hundreds of thousands of pounds, maybe maybe millions, <laughs> <laughs> possibly millions. I think hundreds of thousands away is, is not that that option anymore. Really, millions. Um, in addition, for demand of buy-to-let properties remains high, uh, which it currently does, Richard, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the demand for buy-to-let properties is very high at the moment. Um, and it's a, it's a brilliant uh, time to be picking up buy-to-let properties because the market 
um, is so busy at the moment. The people that are, uh, I mean, tenants are choosing to, to rent a lot more. Um, there's so much more tenants and not enough properties to facilitate that at the minute. Yeah, and, and demand, more or less demand always outstrips supply. Um, yes. Property investment actually is a huge opportunity for that reason. And, and as you said, along with the rental income, the potential increase in the property value as well, mm -hmm. um, over time can design, can can actually deliver a sizable profit um, uh, when you actually come to sell. If yep. you actually indeed come to sell. So it's the combination of rental yields and capital growth that means you have both immediate income. This is yep. what I love about property investment. You've got the immediate income coming in. And then you've got the potential for long-term profitable growth, which is wealth accumulation, which technically is not taxed until the point you actually sell it. Yeah. Um, you also have the option to sell the property at any point and invest the money in other ways. I find that challenging to do, considering. Um, <laughs> but, but I tell you what, though, pensions. Let, we'll get to that. And you know, I think I think I could I think I could sway people's mind into thinking, wait a minute, pensions is the way to go. Um, also, there are the, the main advantage of this kind of investment, though, property without through property uh, isn't without a drawback, its drawbacks too. Um, drawbacks. Well, I find it hard to believe. I mean, what do, what do you think is your drawbacks? I mean, you know, just off the top of your head, though. I mean, house prices are often uh, they, they do produce a, a, a good return on things, but it's not always guaranteed. Uh, and when working at rental yields and things, you can expect um, you can expect from your property, uh, you'll need to consider some other costs. And I think that's where previous shows that we've done about risk analysis and, and, and factoring things in comes into play. Yeah. Uh, so what, what um, sort of costs would you be thinking about then? Well, you need to look at, obviously, insurance costs um, for your landlord's insurance. You've got expenditure on uh, compliance certificates. You need to think about uh, things like using a managed agent and obviously costs involved with that. These things are some of these things are tax deductible as well. So mm. that's, uh, and then obviously your maintenance and repairs as well. Um, but um, but yeah, capital growth on your property um, is basically defined as how much your property is likely to be worth when you come to sell it compared to what you paid for it. Um, but that's that's the, the capital growth uh, or capital appreciation is a good thing because that money that you obviously then can reinvest and continue to grow. Um, well, we know that if you have, if you have, here's the, here's the one here, isn't it? And and I know what you're about to say, if it continues mm -hmm. to grow, you can actually release the equity and reinvest yeah. it, can't you? Yeah. Um, but the drawback of that is potentially you're, you're, you're causing yourself a deferred capital gain. Um, yeah. Well, you will be, you will be creating a deferred capital gain. And fair enough, you'll defer it till later on. But if the tide turns, when the time is you have to exit, you could end up having to pay more money back when you actually sell the property because your mortgage is higher than the actual property value. What is what less, less the actual less the actual gain that you made in the first place. Now, I only know that out of experience because I've got one or two properties like that. Yeah. But the key here is I've no intention of ever selling them, so it won't make any difference to me. Uh, and over a period of time anyway, they will accumulate in value, but I wouldn't want to sell them anyway. Um, and in the future, um, I do know somebody going through this right now, though, who's mm -hmm. actually caught into this cycle and um, because of lower interest rates, you know, the deduction, yeah. um, the deduction of uh, uh, mortgage interest against your own income is only deductible at low rate now. And you can't offset it as a high rate taxpayer if mm -hmm. the 
property and the mortgage is in your name. Because in a limited company, it doesn't apply these rules. Um, but I do know somebody that's going through that right now. It's been fallen, it's fallen foul of that um, for that very reason. So they've got, they'll, they'll have this issue. So I'm actually going through that whole portfolio, looking at all the numbers, looking at the cash flow projections, looking at where everything is, and then possibly going back to them and advising them maybe sell that at that point in time, that at that point in time, that at that point in time. Or it might be the case that just sell the whole lot and this is where you are. Um, yeah. So we're going to have to, I'm going to have to plan that out for them um, in cool. order to give them the best advice on what they should be doing. So do you think that um, there is, I mean, just not to digress too much, but talking about that situation with this person, do you think they could have avoided this situation that they're in by doing things differently? Mm. Or is it just an unfortunate situation they've ended well, up in? How I avoided it is uh, a, a quite a, a quite a substantial part of my portfolio, about half of it, I think, at the time, or maybe a wee bit less, um, was actually as a, a capital repayment under a limited company. I'd got to the point where I was in the high rate band, and in order to avoid the high rate band, we just created a limited company and left the money in there. Mm-hmm. So it was never taxable because we never ever take it out, but it was taxable under corporation tax. Yeah. Um, and then we had the option to take out dividends, um, but we never did. Because it was always an investment vehicle to pour back in to create wealth and all the rest of it. It was never about, oh, I'm wanting to buy a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or, you know, a fast boat or a, anything like that. It was never anything like that at all. It was just to provide wealth and generational wealth and give us more choices in the future and also invest for our family's future as well and generations to come. Um, so I had the foresight of looking at it like that. Um, so we were lucky enough that a lot of the, the, the portfolio that I had as a limited company had actually paid down the capital uh, mortgages. It was down at 19% loan to value. Um, and then I was able to then sell over the last, I think it was when I knew this was coming in in 2000, I think it was 2015 they told it was coming in. I started to sell some of my properties to the limited company, taking advantage of our capital gains every single year. Um, yeah. So another one, in other words, the allowance for Elaine and I was, you know, basically 12,000 each. So you're 24,000 capital gains allowance. So you just plan it and sell the certain amount of properties to take into account that that capital gains allowance. So you wouldn't need to pay capital gains on it and therefore alleviate your position. So you weren't paying tax when you're actually selling it onto the company. Unfortunately, in that situation, you will pay 4% EDS, which is additional dwelling supplement. Yeah. And the scope of things, Richard, that doesn't matter. Um, the great thing is we've done it again this year. Unfortunately, we've had to pay 14,000 in capital gains tax early, but I'm just about to say, transfer two properties, um, pay off the mortgage, just transfer two properties to the limited company, but we're gonna, they're, gonna be, they're gonna be sold at a loss. Um, so there's gonna be a capital loss and I'll right. be able to offset that capital loss against my capital gain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there is ways it means working around it and managing things correctly. And I think, Anybody listening to that obviously might be like, God, how do you how do you work all that out? And that didn't make quite a lot of sense to them. But they well, to I'm, the, an they I'm an accountant. I'm an accountant by I'm an accountant by trade record. That's what I should say. But I'm saying people should speak to the right people to advise them on how to to work that out correctly. Then I, I would say so. Um, but don't always don't always. I know you're going to speak to the right people, and we always say, well, just we're going to speak to an accountant. But believe it or not, a lot of accountants actually don't know the specialist subject. And the reason for that yeah. is because they're just mainstream bookkeepers or accountants mm-hmm. to sign their things off. They've got a qualification, but they don't specialise in that area. So sometimes you're probably wanting an accountant that'll actually specialise in property investment. So in order you would be able to give you the right numbers and the right the right the right advice on what to do next based on your overall picture. A lot. So I get some people coming to me and sitting saying, "Could you could you give me advice on this? Could you give me advice on that?" And I'm like, "Well, 
I can't really, because if I do that, then I'll have to know what your personal income is, I'll have to know what your other business income is, I'll have to know what your investment income is, and I'll have to put all that together to then formulate a, 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 an overall picture about what you should be selling and when, or what you should be actually keeping and uh, possibly paying off the mortgage and when. Um, so it's it, it's not just a it's not just a one one size fits all answer. It is it is a big big uh, jigsaw mm -hmm. in order to in order to do that. So I sit and think about this all the time, and it just so happens. Well, let's be honest, it's Mill Street we're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, the Mill Street flats that I've got uh, next door to Ray Rovers Football Ground. Um, we bought them at seventy five thousand, seventy seven thousand. Um, I was looking at the price to now, and the price just so happens to be about 70. Um, for one, it's on the market right now with Regents Estate Agents. So I then said, okay, ours is a bit run down. It'll probably need a new kitchen, new bathroom over time. It's never had that in, in, since the beginning, which was 15 years ago. Um, so therefore, I'm probably coming to the right conclusion that the value now to us, if we put it on the market, was would be about £65,000. Mm -hmm. So I will have about £20,000 in capital uh, capital losses capital um, to loss, offset yeah. against that gain. So therefore, I'll possibly be able to get some of that tax back uh, and I'll have transferred them. Now, it will cost me 4% ADS. So 65, 130, 4%, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4 uh, 5, 2. So that'll be 5,200 an additional dwelling supplement. But mm -hmm. I'm not particularly bothered. It's like, because it's held for the long term anyway, there's tenants yeah. in it just now, it's still paying rent. Uh, and then what I'm going to do is then I'll take that with the other portfolio that I'm actually buying, and then I'll go to the bank and go, well, that's all ready. That's, there's no mortgage, no no encumbrance on these properties I've got in this portfolio. Therefore, yeah. you'll be able to use this as security, as a deposit. Yeah. There you go. So I'm actually building a deposit for my next portfolio purchase in this specialist investment vehicle at the same time. So all I'm doing is I'm utilizing the existing money I've got and actually moving it about in a in order to get the right return, in order to get the right decisions and the right answers as well in the best and most efficient, tax efficient manner possible. And taking a taking taking advantage of the of the legislation. That's exactly what it's there for. If you've got a good tax planner, um you'll know what you they'll know what you need to do in order to alleviate your tax position. I mean, after all, who wants to sit and pay as much tax as possible? Um, no. I mean, you do if it's in a tax-efficient manner because it means you're earning a hell of a lot more money than you were before. Because yeah. um, I had somebody say that, oh, you're going to have to pay a lot more tax. Well, you'll probably have to earn a lot more income then, won't you? It's like, why would you know? It's, yeah, like, the person, it's, like, it's like when I used to I used to be in network marketing, Richard, uh, years and years ago, and I used to sit down with people and I go, you do this and you do that and you do this and you do that. And at the end of the month, you make about £1,000 and everybody used to go, will that affect my benefits? Hello? What? You're on 50 quid a week. And I'm talking about £1,000 a month. Yeah. Why are you bothered about your 50 quid a week benefits? Yeah. And it is that broke mentality people have. They don't understand. They don't see the bigger picture. It's the glass jar. They've mm. got this lid on. They put this lid on them psychologically. And they don't understand that they've actually... Uh, uh, they've, they've... What was it? Settled. Yeah, it's called being it's called settled. You've you've settled for that amount of money. You think that's all you're worth. Therefore, yeah. that's all you'll get. If you think bigger and understand what you're really worth and truly worth, you'll attract that worth towards you. There's an abundance of money out there and it's all there. You've just got to work out how it, you can attract it to you. That's all it comes down to. 
Because mm -hmm. he'll go to someone else because it's there. It doesn't just sit there and do nothing on a shelf. It goes yeah. to the people that attract it. So therefore, you have to work out how to attract it. And this is what we teach on the Wealth Creation Show. Let's get back to property. Yeah. The, the, the downside is liquidity sometimes is your biggest problem. How yeah. easy or hard is it to get your money out when you need it? Classic example, credit crunch. Uh, hello, Mr. Bank. Can I get some money out of my portfolio? Uh, computer says no. <laughs> it's like we're not doing that. But I've got like I've got like a million quid in there, in equity. It's like I but we're not touching property at all. That's it. We're just not touching yeah. property. We're not caring how much you've got and what you're worth. We're not even going anywhere near property. That was the that was the rule for about three or four years or five mm -hmm. years. Even. After that crash in the 2008 uh, period, so you have to make sure your liquidity is going to be right and it's comfortable for your decision in order to do that. So that is one of the biggest things I would recommend: make sure you're not relying on the proceeds coming out. And I, I mean, it's possible. I, I always keep saying to people, um, in my opinion, always interest-only mortgages. Yeah. And people say, but I want paid in the capital, and it's like, aye, but if, if the shit hits the fun, it's like they're not going to give the capital element back that you've paid down, and it's better sitting in your bank account um, and investing in other things that you can invest in. So, and in, in, if anything does happen, you can do something about it. Where you know, like for example, if your boiler does break, if you have to renew that kitchen, if the house burns down, and you're not adequately covered with your insurers, we've seen that before with someone, haven't we? Yeah, you know, a flood from upstairs, twenty-two thousand pound it cost them when the insurer turned around and says you're no covered, and it's like what? It's like they were convinced they were covered. Yeah, and I told them at the time they weren't, and they were insistent that they were, and unfortunately this was what happened to them, and had to outshell out that money. So it's better being in your pocket than the actual bank's pocket and paying it down because the value of the property will increase over time. The mortgage level will always be the same. The rent will go up as well over a period of time as well, long term. The mortgage level will always stay the same. Yeah. So therefore, you will always start to make more money and profit. Therefore, when the mortgage amount goes up, you're able to then remortgage a bit more back out and actually reinvest it, guess what, in property and do the same thing again. It's the repeating cycle. It's, rent yeah. it's, it's like what we said, right, yeah. um, the rinse and repeat cycle. Yeah. And, I noticed that we started coining that phrase and everybody started to pick that up. Eh? <laughs> Rinse and repeat. I, I mean, it's something that um, a lot of people, like you say, obviously, people are kind of fixated on this. You know, I want to pay into the property and build up capital. Um, but I think if you're, you know, I think, like you Worst say, advice ever. Yeah, interest only mortgages. And like you say, you, and you need to be committed to keep that money um, aside for like repairs and reinvestment. And, and obviously, don't just go out and spend it, obviously. For me personally, it's the worst advice ever to pay off your mortgages on your buy to let properties. But again, yeah. it depends on your strategy. If you're if you're looking to sell later on and you're actually releasing that money, you just want I just want out. There is people like that, and I just yeah. scratch my head and think, why would you want to do that? That's like cashing in your policy a year before it's due to mature, and mm -hmm. it's like going to be double the price the next year. And it's I just I, I can't I don't get that. And they obviously have this impression. It's like that's it. I'm out. And it's like well, you could just give it to your children. And yeah. let your children earn income as well and keep it and give it to the next children and the next children, the grandchildren. And 15 generations down, they're still may, they're still earning money of these assets that you actually had in the beginning um, and, or not assets when you think about it. Because by the time you've remortgaged it all up, you're, there's no that much in it, but it's still earning a lot of income. It's going to say a shitload of income. Well, maybe. <laughs> well, you said it there anyway. <laughs> 
but yeah, and I, I think that, and it comes back to as well, Jim. Um, everybody goes on about cash is king, cash flow, and I think that's something that I, I really need to keep emphasising to people: cash flow as opposed to cash. Cash flow is what makes the lifeblood of everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're planning to fund your your retirement from the rents alone, bear in mind that these will not be enough to bring in your income. Um, uh, uh, maybe an income that you need, especially if you still have mortgages to pay on the properties. And that's why some people want to do it because they've got a bit more agreement. Plus the fact they don't like their reality is because they're retiring and they're reliant on this income, then they want more control. Therefore, they don't want the mortgages in case the mortgage rate goes up and that affects their income because it's their only sole income. But you shouldn't have that. You should have, and I hate to say it, I hate this phrase, multiple income streams. It's like, yeah. you know... It's like all the other gurus or so-called what they are, uh, call it multiple income streams. No, it's just income streams that actually you've got coming in. One maybe is not dependent on the other. So if one doesn't have a great year, the other one will have a great year. And this is why we talk about property and pensions um, and, and see which one's the best uh, out of the lot and see which one's the forefront of the lot as well. So also bear in mind that being a landlord isn't really an easy job. This is why we have letting agents. This is why you manage my stock and my portfolio. I was a landlord until the, you know, about five years or six years after I retired at 38. So it's only the last 10 years I've managed to get you guys to say, look, I've taught you and built the system and says, like, you look after my property now. I really don't want any input in it at all. You need to do it because I need to be in a position where this is never the income I'm generating out of this portfolio is not dependent on my ability to perform. Yeah. So, and and worst case scenario, I could be sitting on a ventilator in the hospital, and I'll still be earning money. You would, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, at that time, I might not know I'm earning money, but I like the fact that I would be, and I'll still be. But I like the fact, and it's like, I mean, Grant Cardone talks about it as well. He says to his wife Ellen, he says, Ellen, if anything happens to me and I drop dead the morning, sell the boat. Sell the sell the jet, sell everything else, but for God's sake, do not sell the property because yeah. that's what's earning your money for the rest of your life and making you a fortune. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exactly how I think. Sell everything else, but the property and the income is the most important thing to keep a hold of. Um, yeah. That's that's my mindset. I mean, property isn't very flexible if you use it in a certain way, um, yeah. but we know how to make it flexible if you want it to be. Um, but you, can, you can't just put an extra £10,000 or so into property. It forces you to, I mean, it's forcing you to really invest chunks at a time in order to do that. This is why I talk about, you know, paying off the mortgages. So it's 130, well, I mean, the mortgages are like 120 grand or something like that. So I'll mm-hmm. pay that off. That's probably my next Lamborghini hurricane going. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay that off and then I'll transfer it and then I'll, then I'll get it back out via the banks and the corporate lending. Um, via a different uh, flexible vehicle. Um, so that's the way I do it. So what's the tips for choosing right property then? Yeah, I mean, well, that, I mean, we run through the, the cons there, but um, I mean, like you say, there is ways and means around some of these areas that the, the, the class is maybe cons for property investment, as long as you do things and speak to the right people. But tips for choosing the right property, I mean, investing in the right property um, and the right location with the right mortgage, um, is really important. I mean, essential for high yield returns. Eh? Yeah, mm. yeah, and I mean, um, they're um, they're performing much less strongly in terms of growth in certain areas. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you look at areas like London and and the southeast and and, and down England, um, they perform 
a lot more strongly than other properties, uh, other properties in areas of like Stratford upon Avon. You've got, you've got to think about yields, don't you? And yeah. and that's where the experience comes into the yields and understanding. Yeah. I mean, we talk about Fife all the time, and because we're Fife properties and everything, like that, and we do yeah. everything in Fife. But the reality is, what we're talking about now is is, is a simple model. It's uh, it, you could use anywhere in the world, mm -hmm. um, effectively, because yeah, as you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's numbers that we're talking about, and it's risk analysis and sensitivity analysis as well, and it's opportunity cost and opportunity loss that we're applying as well. Um, so this, all these, all these models that we are we are using, and these examples and and uh, forecasting and, uh, and and extrapolating, um, is is all based on it's it's all universal. It's you can use it anywhere in the world. In terms of how you're doing things so it's not just specifically for fife because a lot of people see it like that and um, so there is yields that you're making i mean some people are actually quite happy with a two percent yield but yeah. your two percent yield essentially might even be on a or you know it might be i mean your two percent yield might end up yielding you maybe about twenty thousand pound a year because the two percent mm -hmm. maybe on a property is maybe two million uh, it depends on what the, the property is worth in the rental value yeah so it, it could be an astronomical amount I mean, me personally. I mean, we're lower value properties, um, but I'm 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 really trying to do a net fifteen percent return, mm -hmm. and uh, and if I can get away with it as high as possible after that, um, and yeah. so that's my sort of target. And I'm I'm looking to probably get about at least about two thousand pound per property, um, I in profit after you know after every single one. Now, that could be reinvested later on, but but that's my kind. Of, that's the kind of your focus and your goal in order how to in order to to do it. Um, because that's that that for me is the property investment. That's the yeah. that's the proper investment return on what you've got in in terms of your equity. That's how a lot of people, if you've not got any equity in it anymore, and you've got all the money back out via a mortgage that you originally put in, that's why they call it infinite returns. Because you've actually not got any money in there anymore. So the only way it's getting financed is through the bank's corporate lending. Um, and uh, that's not your money, so that's why it's an infinite return to you, because you're making money on someone else's money. Infinite return. Yeah. Um, so, uh, appreciation and stuff like that. I mean, how much, how much your property is likely to be worth when you come to sell compared to the purchase price? Um, uh, you you talked about an example of purchasing about eight, what eighty grand. The current value is maybe one hundred and ten. There's thirty yeah. grand total appreciation. Yeah. So it's just obviously some people don't un understand the the uh, the concept of capital appreciation and what is capital appreciation and and basically it's the value of your property currently if it was to go in the market compared to what you purchased the property for and, and a simple example there if you bought a property at eighty thousand, it's now valued at 110 and you got 110 on the market you there's 30 grand capital appreciation yeah, yeah that's a good way thanks for that um so rental values have increased although renters don't have the property maintenance cross um on top of what what, what would um, would be if, if homeowners uh, most people are choosing to rent due to the increase in property values yep. tenancies are run and also flexibility of labor um yep. you know generation x i think it's generation x that came after baby boomers we talked about this other week eh? yep. um the generation x and the, the next one after that i mean you know some of the, a lot of these people are actually just choosing to rent because they, they really don't want the the tie on of having a mortgage and having a property, but it's the older generation like ourselves that actually try to convince people whole oh, property, you've got to own your own property. It's like, but but why? Who said yeah. that? And you know, and 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 I'll know I'll tell you who said that. The banks. Yeah. <laughs> so but the I mean, banks could give you a mortgage. It's really ingrained in people to to have uh, their own home and own their own home and 
I know they say like I know like the Englishman's obviously a castle thing, but it's the same. I mean, it's the, the whole of the UK we've all got that mentality, and it's it's kind of been ingrained into us. But I have seen more and more tenancies are running longer. Um, there is less uh, property available uh, to these people, first-time buyers, because house prices are higher. But a lot of people are doing it through choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've even looked at our own um, our own properties that we manage and things. And I think the last time we calculated, our average tenancy was about 28 months. So you're talking about two to three years. Um, but we have yeah. a lot of longer-running tenancies as well. So, but is, my, my key here is, is buy-to-let really st- still worth it? I mean, with yeah. property prices being so high, I mean, lots of people choose the buy-to-let as a retirement income mm-hmm. uh, and often taking tens of thousands of pounds out, out of their pension pot to actually fund it. We'll talk about pensions in a minute, but you can actually yeah. get 25%, up to 25% when you retire and you take it, you start drawing down your pension pot, you can draw down 25% straight away, uh, tax-free. Yeah. yeah, and that's what people are actually doing. Um, they're also, I mean, it's a bit complicated. It's another show completely. You can put it into SaaS, which is a self-invest pension, and you could actually you could borrow, you could lend fifty percent to a limited company, which actually revamps property. We've talked about this yeah, before, haven't yeah. we? Mm-hmm. And they could actually then revamp the property, get the mortgage on it, and then pay the money back to the SAS, which is part of your pension again. And again, that's tax efficient as well. Use of your money, so you're making money on the money on the money, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, if you're considering this, then it is essential you speak to the right financial advisors for that. Um, first, because Reading your pension pot could have big implications and potential tax liabilities and penalties yeah. if you don't do it properly. Um, it might come back to haunt you. So you need the right advice before you before you begin. Um, some of the probably the most prevalent person I would say is Ninian Hearn um, of, uh, of of independent one to one actually yeah. financial advisors. I mean he does he does he's a financial advisor as well. So I think Ninian would be actually be quite good at this. I mean, despite some challenging conditions in the property market, there's still advantages of buy to let, uh, including, well, you'll earn the income, as we said. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you can generate the capital growth, as we said. Uh, you can take out insurance to cover any loss of rental, um, damage or legal costs. Um, that's covered as well. Incidentally, I've just started a new insurance policy today. And I tell you what, I took it from 9,000 down to 6,000 pound for the same policy with a different provider. Save myself three thousand pound. Now, folk would actually think you wouldn't be able to do that, but I tell you what, get in touch with us. If you're a landlord or a buy to let landlord or investor, and you've got your insurance due up for renewal, get in touch with us because we put you in in touch with the right people. Because I've just saved myself a fortune, literally thirty three percent of my insurance premiums. um, I've saved just like that. Mm -hmm. Better in my pocket than someone else's. Yeah. Um. Equally, though. The government will pay more tax. <laughs> we'll pay more tax to the government because I've saved myself the three thousand pounds. I'll have to pay tax on the money I saved because it's classified as a profit. Then, isn't it? Because I've no longer got that deduction. See that? You were thinking about that there, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how my mind sees it. You see, you're maybe saving three thousand, but you still got to pay the tax on it because remember, it's not deductible anymore against your profits. Therefore, it can't be. It won't bring your tax bill down. Therefore, you'll have to. The saving isn't three thousand pound. It's three thousand pound less the tax that you'll have to pay on that profit you would make on the £3,000. Yeah? Make sense? Yeah. So you, you can take insurance to cover, but you'll need to consider the disadvantages too. The the tax bill will be higher once uh, than, than it was once, eating into your profits, like we've spoken mm-hmm. about. If you don't have the right insurance in place, you might not generate an income that the pro- when the property um, is unoccupied, if anything happens. Um, if the property prices fall, your capital will fall as well. And if you have an interest-only mortgage, 
Um, you'll need to make up the shortfall if, if the property sells for less than you bought it for. This is what we talked about, the deferred capital gain. So this is me just summarizing. Um, also, let me think, uh, you'll need to factor in costs of stamp duty, uh, insurance, wear and tear. Um, Thank and, you. and, and some, finally, the most important thing is not for the faint hearted. You will have the responsibility of being a landlord. And I tell you what, the reason I say it's not for the faint hearted because I've done it the, the both ways. Yeah. I've been a landlord, I've been an investor. And I tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm happy days at being an investor. For the price that you try to save, there's less than a price of a cup of, cup of coffee every single day to get someone else to manage one of your properties is a godsend. Did I say that with enough emotion there? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> literally it is a godsend. Um, it's also important the number of taxation changes it was spoke about as well. Okay, landlords used used to be able to offset their mortgage uh, interest payments against the rental income, but 2015, as I said, the government announced it had actually been fa been phased out, um, but it's not phased out in terms of limited companies. So that's still okay to offset the total amount of interest uh, payments against your income. Um, mm -hmm. As a personal person in your own name, it isn't. It's only lower rate you're allowed to now. So you lose that advantage. Uh, in 2017, 2018, the tax relief you claim, as I said, it was up to 75, 95, um, 2019 it was 25, now it's gone. Um, so you only get a 20% tax credit now against interest to actually take off your tax bill at the end rather than take off the profits um, before it's actually calculated. So that's why you could end up being a higher rate payer, uh, but actually get deduction at lower rate. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm paying tax on money I've actually not even made. That makes no sense at all. No, and in the real in real terms, that's how that's what could happen. Um, the government has as actually increased. We talked about the capital gains allowance to twelve thousand three hundred. This is what I'm saying. Husband and wife can use both their capital gains allowance in the same year, even if one of them own the property in their own name, because you can sell it to the other one or gift it, not sell it, gift it to the other one. There's no ADS involved in that. Gift it to them for love, favour, and affection. It's called under the tax rules. And then they can use that proportion to offset their capital gains allowance against. So you can potentially, husband and wife, can get, um, and yourself as well, Richard, mm -hmm. you and Gavin as well, you would be able to get £24,600 capital gains yeah, allowances. £12,300 combined. So if you're selling a second property to earn more, um, um, so if you're selling a second property, you can earn more tax-free income. But the capital gains rate for higher landlords now, this is key here. Capital gains rate is 18% for lower rate taxpayer. If you're a higher rate taxpayer, you will pay 28%. There is a calculator on the Inland Revenues website, which tells you how much you do it. If you sell a property and make a capital gain, you have to report that capital gain for a property to the Inland Revenue within 60 days or you will get fined. Even if you're mm -hmm. one day late, you'll be fined £100. Why did I know that? Oh, what is that? You're asking why do I know that, Richard? Because I was late one day and I was fined a hundred pound, and they had no, they didn't let me get off with it. It was like, and I tell you what, I tried to get someone else to do it. I tried to get my accountant to do it. I tried to get anyone else to do it, and no one had a scooby what to do because it was just introduced. So I just went, I'll do it myself. Plugged it all in, got it done, but I got fined a hundred quid. No, the end of the world. Lesson learned. Next time, Jim, you know what to do. You could probably just do it yourself. Um, private residential relief has changed. Previously, if you lived in the property before letting it to the tenants, you get providential, private residential relief when you came to sell. This means that you wouldn't pay 
any capital gains tax and uh, for the time that you lived in the property, plus an extra 18 months after you moved out. But under the new rules, it has actually been reduced to nine months. Um, the £40,000 of lettings relief, um, which you can claim um, if you rent out the property that's been your main residence and home before, will only apply to landlords who share an occupancy with their tenants from now on. Right. So you have to be a living landlord now. That used to be used to get no bother. So they, see, they take them away as well. So they take these allowances and they take all these things away and they change all the rules when you've actually got the property. Because I used to have indexation of 60% allowances and capital allowances and on my properties until they changed the rules and went, ah, we're scrapping that, we're changing it. Oh, thanks for that. <laughs> you didn't have a choice. They've got you because you own them. Now that's how they do it. So what are the... Oh, and right, let's get on to pensions. Just going to say, let's talk about pensions. Pensions, let me get up my pension. And we'll quickly go over this. This is actually quite a quite an emotive subject, actually. <laughs> um, uh, let me get this. Quite interesting. I mean, listening to what you've told me over the years, Jim, it's made me change how I think about pensions and how I look at them. And I'm sure a lot of other people will be the same, um, have had the same conversation. Yeah, okay, so let me share the screen and I'll show you. I'm going to show you my pension. Ooh, help. People are going to know. <laughs> okay, so this is my pension with Standard Life. Yeah. Uh, so this is the total payments I've put in over the years. Uh, now, this pension is here. Now, you see that uh, underlying filled out area? That's how much has gone into my pension. And the the purple line at the top is that's how much has gone over the years. So that's the plan. That's the plan summary from the beginning, from the very beginning. So the total payments I've put in is one hundred nine is ninety six thousand seven hundred fifty, made up of I've put forty four grand in over mm -hmm. the years. My employer put eight in. My contracted out money from the national insurance system over the years. There was a contracted out thing years ago. Was eight thousand. The tax relief I got was at eleven percent. Uh, sorry, eleven thousand. Um, so that's free money from the government for the 44,000 to put in. Yeah. Um, the transfer payments was 25,000. That was just other pension funds. The total fund is worth £126,651 a day. Okay. Now, I've only, the only amount, of, I mean, when you've got employer pension schemes, okay, my advice if you've got an employer pension scheme, right, uh, take advantage of it as much as possible. Yeah. Um, you can put in, I think you said, Richard, you put in 3%, your employer puts in 5 eh? Yeah, that was last set. In 2019, the minimum employer is 3%. Now, what I would say is some of some of the employers, I know Ben's employer, my son, his employer matches what you do up to a certain amount as well over and above that. Yeah. So I said to Ben, I tell you what, put in that maximum amount. Because his employer's doubling it. I mean, yeah. you're getting 100% return immediately on that. And then you're actually getting your tax relief as well. So you're actually getting 25% of what you're putting in added on from the government. Because mm -hmm. that's how they work it. That's the low rate amount. Because if you take the total amount. So, for example, you had said, if you get if you pay £40 in, yep. your employer pays £30 in, and you get tax relief of £10 on top of the £40. Which is and that's what I mean. The 50, with the £50, the £10 of the £50 that you've got in with the, the government's money is 20%. And that's the twenty percent low rate. So they're actually they're actually giving you ten pound free. Your employer's giving you thirty pound free, and you're only putting forty quid in total. I mean that's a pretty good return straight away. Yeah. And that's where in there that's how that's a pretty good return. Because if you look at the other one, um, uh, there's the value over five years, 
the plan value. Uh, there's the return. Look at that. Look at the five years. Over five years, 8.6, mm -hmm. 8.1, right? But look, 10 years, 76%. See that? Yeah. Down the bottom. So I could easily be dis um, dissuade here and say to myself, well, wait a minute, I'm only making 8% over the last five years. That's no good return. And I was in the beginning, wasn't I? But then when I started to look over 10 years, I went, wait a minute, it's actually going up to 78%. But that's 78% in that fund that's gone up. Now, remember, I'm in a high-risk category. See up there, that number six? Yeah, could I just hide the banner, Jim? Because I think the banner's stopping the figure. All right, okay. I see. think that, right, so there's the there's the returns over the bottom. Risk yeah. level, um, standard life UK equity pensions, so UK equity. My, my kids are in UK equities as well. Um, mm -hmm. Over one year, it's gone up 3.65, 3.74 over three years, five years, 8.16. But look at 10 years of compounding. Yeah, 78% really good return, isn't it? Um, and that is a good return because remember that's 78%, and that isn't taken into account this tax I've got as well. So that, that's the fund is going up 78%. Yeah. So if you take the tax I've got free, you've also got the contractor out money I've got from the, 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 the national insurance system for, mm -hmm. for your um your government pensions when, when they were doing it. I got that free, and then you've also got employer payments my employer paid in um, and then transfer payments from previous pension schemes um, i basically got free um that's a pretty good deal there's a lot of free money there yeah it's like i've only put forty four thousand in in essence and i've got 126 grand yeah that's a hell of a return look at this right let's just work that out 126 because i'm going to get my calculator out. i like i like a good calculator <laughs> um so 126 just the 126,000 minus 44,000, 82, divided by 44, 1, 2, 3, equals 186% increase in what I've put in. I've got 186% return on my initial money I've put in over the lifetime I've put this in. Mm -hmm. Now, what did I say about property over the last 20 years? 160. 160%. Yeah. See, I'm beginning, to, I'm beginning to win the argument for pensions, am I not? <laughs> you have me, yeah, as I say, you have made me think a lot differently about pensions. Um, but remember, 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 the pension, the income staying in here, because I don't get any income out of here, so the income's no, in here already. Property investment, that 160%, isn't taking into account the income that you're generating from the property either. So when you take that into account, the income that you're generating from the property on the 160%, you're almost a bit more than this. So we're almost at like Eden Stevens here. Now, mm -hmm. let me just say at this point in time, when you look at these numbers, um, regardless of what I did, I would still get that money from the pension company um, mm -hmm. from our previous employers. I would still get the contractor out of money. I've still got the employer payments anyway. And I wouldn't have got the tax relief if I hadn't put it in. So the only thing I'm losing out in that scenario is the tax relief if I didn't put the money in. Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's so my pension would just run anyway, and I just wouldn't put that money in and I'd put it into property instead. And in the forty-four percent, the forty-four thousand would actually make hundred and sixty percent if I if I invested in a property. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I get that. What I do notice though, Jim, is obviously the benefits, obviously the pension, but you obviously have a successful buy-to-let portfolio running as well as your pensions as well. Yeah, as absolutely. Well. Uh, this yeah. is why we talk about this is why we talk about having a couple of streams of income or, yeah. or wealth generating. It, yeah. It's not 
because the the uh, the day-to-day -day income can be generated for me from the portfolio which i yeah. don't actually use at all i just actually keep reinvesting mm -hmm. um, so i have the option to do that when i can and I, i'll be honest richard i have over the years dipped in now and again for one-offs like knee operation to do private yeah. um possibly i can't mind what other way well when jinx got ill the, the vet went well it's going to cost you a fortune you may as well put them down and i went how much is it going to cost me yeah and they went it's going to be about 12 1200 to 1500 quid i went okay let's do it yeah if it saves his life let's do it mm -hmm. and, and, like, they, they, and you just looked at me as if to say what and i'm like well i've planned for this yeah i want this is why i did what i did because i wanted to make sure i was always in that position to do something if Tony wanted a house, Tony wanted a house, she couldn't afford it. She needed only up to 90,000 mortgage. It was 130,000 for the house. So I, I gave her the other 40,000. Yeah. So that again was stuff. So this is what, this is the only reason I did what I did, but this is what other people can use it for as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not, property is not all about doing it for you and all you. It's doing it for you and your family and the things that you actually care about. Um, you know yourself about Richard, about you know my my views about wanting to put money back into the community and the local causes. Yeah. You know, last year, well, this year we're going to do thirty thousand. Yeah, last year it was twenty five thousand. The year before it was twenty thousand. The year before that was fifteen thousand. So that would never have been able to happen if it wasn't for property. If it wasn't for that and wasn't for what I did, there was no way I'd be able to do that. So fifteen, twenty, fifteen and twenty, thirty five, twenty five, forty, fifty, sixty. That'll be ninety thousand pound I'll put back in the local community at the end of this year, yeah. which is amazing. But then that's something that you're passionate about, and that's you've got the you've got the luxury of being able to do that and doing something, and it's something that makes you happy as well. As well mm. as obviously, like you say, helping the family, and then having the luxury of being able to do private healthcare and things as well. But yeah, that's because you've you've set all this up to be able to facilitate that. Yeah, and, and, and it's like. Yeah, I'll be honest. Well, the great thing is, as well, is people go, oh, you went private healthcare. That's terrible using that system and encouraging these people. It's like I actually left a space for someone actually to take my slot in the NHS the system. NHS, yeah. So I alleviated that position through my own accord um, and my own, my, own, my own purpose. And that, that's why I did it. So I freed up a space for someone else to take that. Um, I actually did it a couple of times, actually, because there was a couple of times I had to go for proper, you know, um, sonograms or whatever it is to because yeah. i was i was running all the time 40 40 miles a week on the roads and stuff and i ended up really damaging myself um because i kept running and running and running long distance um and, and marathons and stuff like that every single day and i just overdid it um so that was another um, um problem i had to resolve uh, going through private healthcare um okay um so but the other clincher here is look at look at this pension company pension companies come hell or high water mm -hmm. Charges. Yeah. Whether your fund goes down or not, they're still getting a thousand pounds a year off of me. Mm -hmm. See that? So every single year they're taking a thousand pounds off of me. You don't you don't do that in property investment, do you? No, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get charged for or, or like you see have have these charges on there. I mean that's just, just over a thousand there. So um, that's one of that's one of the other drawbacks. But I can't decry the fact that you've got a seventy eight percent over ten years there in terms of return on investment and you've got all that free money from the tax man um, because you're putting in now you can put in up to forty thousand pound a year of your own money and still get taxed back now i'll tell you what the great advantage of this as well is you can actually get taxed back at a higher rate as well yeah 
So in other words, it, it, the the tax that you're paying, if you're a higher rate payer right now, if you put a, if you work it out, you get your accountant to work it out for you how much you should put in, and in you're into your pension fund that year, right? If you contribute that to your pension fund, you get the lower rate put in by the government, but you also get a relief on your higher rate tax bill. So that goes to get offset against your higher rate tax bill. So the higher rate tax that you then get as a refund to you personally. It doesn't go into your pension. You get it as a refund on your higher rate tax bill. So you get your tax back if you do that. So it's another really good way of being tax efficient. So, and then, I mean, in terms of pensions and things, Jim, when should people be setting up pensions for themselves, for their kids? From birth. Yeah, like, like as early birth. as possible. Yeah. Straight away. As soon as you have children, grandchildren, anybody like that, if there's any grandmothers, grandfathers out there, if there's any parents out there, if there's any children or young people out there, you get in there straight away and start getting pensions done now. Whether it's yeah. 10 quid a month of your own money, of your own money to earn, put it into your pension, because I tell you what, the benefits over long term are huge. And this is delayed gratification. This is the farmer mentality. You plant the seed, you nurture the seed, you sow the seed, you reap the rewards big time when it comes out. I'll tell you, it'll blow your mind. You can see there, 44 grand in, 126 grand. Way. Um, and, and I don't, I'll be honest, I never even made an effort of that. And you know what really gets me? As my, my, I put less in my kids' pensions and they've got the same amount already. <laughs> but but I was smart enough to actually realise that the government actually contribute up to the lower rate threshold for every single child that puts in anybody, any of their parents put in for them or any of their grandparents put in for them, any money at all, they will top that up with the, the tax to the lower rate threshold amount. So if you can put in 2,880 in a year, the government will top it up to 3,600 in that pension for a child. Yeah. And your children, forget your employer's pensions. Put them in, take advantage of it, absolutely, for the people that are working employer's pensions right now. Yeah. Get as much in as you can if your company is, is doubling that for you. If they agree and it's in their contract, as I said with Ben's, it's like they said up to a certain amount, they're going to double that as well. It's like, holy shit, that's money for nothing. Um, it's like it's maybe tied up for all these years, but who cares? It's like you could even get a transfer value of that later on and actually move it to UK equities if you want to do that higher risk category. You know, some people like the low risk, some people like the higher risk, but I personally believe over a long period of time, higher risk UK equities, which really isn't a higher risk, to be honest, because um, it's UK equities, it always yep. grows over time um, and it always makes money over time and it always it pays incremental dividends over time, which goes into that funds and builds that fund as well, just like property investment with your income yeah. and then putting it back into buying more property. So I do believe that's the way forward in terms. So having a double strategy in terms of what you're doing. So you've got that really long term for 55 years and onwards, and but you've got your short term property. And I, I, I mean, imagine us talking about short term property investment, because when you think yeah. about it, you are generating income straight away. Mm -hmm. So it can actually provide that in short term if you really want it to, but you have to obviously realize the ramifications. Um, so you've got medium to long term for, for growth as well. So there's a lot of great advantages to this. Um, and and I would suggest uh, you take advantage as much as possible. That would that would be my thought process. Yeah. Um, um, Angela's saying, I have a few pension policies, but some are making a little or nothing silly question, but can you move them into one that's yes absolutely yes, Angela, that, yeah. yeah i'll just say that that's what i did with mine so i took all my previous company pensions like with both for plc 
um, with Tillis Russell um, and with, uh, with who else? Um, there was another company as well. I was there for a short period of time. And I then just transferred them. That was the 25,000 that we talked about in here. So that's that 25,000 here. Um, it's in there. Um, you'll see right at the very bottom, in the bottom left-hand corner of that picture, right here, uh, in there. I'll just take that across. Uh, right there, that transfer payment says all my previous pensions are transferred into one pension policy. Um, again, take financial advice on this um, from a proper pension provider um, to yeah. make sure you're okay. Uh, me personally, I knew the numbers anyway, and I sat down with my pension provider and I told him, it's <laughs> mine. <laughs> and he just went after that. He just went, you probably didn't need me in the first place, eh? but I had to sit with you and tell you this. Because um, he was like, I'll just bow down to you, by the way, <laughs> and just listen to what you're going to say. Um, and, uh, and and I think he's probably away investing in property as well. Um, so so that's where we are. Um, I, I would absolutely say, because um, when you think about it, you might have minimum charges on your pension funds as well. Again, check that. Uh, so if you've got small amounts in each one, these huge minimum charges actually eat away at your small amount. Whereas if you plough them all into one and, 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 con, and con, consolidate them, your pensions in that one fund, um, then it actually might be a less of a cost or a charge against it. Um, yeah. So you've got, that's another thing a, a, a good pensions planner can do for you. So again, Nene and Hearn, one-to-one and independent financial advisors uh, would be a really good uh, one-stop shop for everything um, to, to look at that. Um, any other questions? I mean, we've talked about pensions and how you can use them. Um, I mean, you could even use your house as a pension. You know, yeah. when, when you buy it, your house is your own biggest tax-free asset, right? Now, you might, for people, some people actually um, buy a rundown property, they do it up, and then they move to the next property, another rundown property, and then they do it up, and they're adding value all the way up. It's almost like taking, you know, um, uh, taking a wee toy car on eBay, and then by the time you've got uh, 100 trades later, you've got a yeah. diamond ring. And it's like, how, how on earth did you do that? Um, so that's the classic example that you could do with your, your houses. You could live in it. It's your biggest tax-free investment ever. Um, and then finally, when you're due to downsize, you can just release all the equity. Because remember, we're a half a million pound house. You go and live in a two-bedroom uh, house in uh, Glen Office, two-bedroom semi-detached for, what, 100 grand? You've got 400 grand to play with. Mm -hmm. 400 grand, 20 grand a, a, a year, 20 grand a year cash, uh, free because it's free remember it's no taxable because it's your house so 20 grand a year um divided by the 20 grand a year and uh, you're talking about 20 years at 20 grand a year in order to earn 20 grand cash in your hand you've got to earn probably about thirty-five thousand a year and that's that's how you've got to look at it so your your own one as well but again seek financial professional advice your final words on this richard for yourself mind blowing um, I think obviously we know property investment and things very lucrative, but you have made a good um, argument for the benefits of pensions. And I think to have a good com combination of both is a good way to plan for your future. I never thought it would end up like this. I thought property would be all the way. And then I realised it's actually a combination of both. Yeah. Unbelievable. If anybody's got any more questions on this later on, please feel free to message us direct. You can catch yeah. up on the podcast as well later on. And uh, until next week for the Wealth Creation Show, guys, uh, it's bye-bye from us. Goodbye.